Well, good morning, everybody. I'm delighted and honoured to be your preacher today and ending your Art of Hearing God's Voice sermon series on this Missions Celebration Sunday. Thank you for the invitation. And I guess you'll know in about 20 minutes whether or not to regret it. Today, we're looking at one of the most famous and most preached passages of the New Testament from the end of Matthew's Gospel. We refer to this passage as the Great Commission. But it was probably not until the end of the 17th century that it was known as the Great Commission. Before that, Protestant reformers like Luther and Calvin and earlier Christians understood the commission of Jesus to be only for the disciples with Jesus at the time on the mountain. So when the last apostle died, the apostolic commission died with it. It was a great commission for the very few, if you like. John Wesley died in March 1791, and only a year later, in 1792, a young Baptist went to a group that was to evolve into the Baptist Missionary Society. He'd written a booklet with the snazzy title, An Enquiry into the Obligations of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of the Heathens. And the first chapter contended that the commission Jesus gives in Matthew 28 is binding on all Christians, not just the original disciples on the Mount. Incidentally, one man at that meeting is famously reported to have said to William Carey, because that's who the young Baptist was, sit down, young man. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do it without aid from you or me. It was a typically Calvinist response of the time. But William Carey won the day, and the age of modern Protestant missions probably began then. And it was in that uh, broad context that the passage we read today from Matthew started to become known, become known routinely as the Great Commission. And I want us to look at that passage today. Go, therefore. I want you to notice that Jesus tells his followers to go in and with his authority. And I want us to note just how much of our life today as Christians is configured around inviting people to come. And while people did come along in sufficient numbers, we could ignore the fact that we weren't going. But you know as well as I do that increasingly nowadays in many parts of the world and this one, Fewer and fewer people are clamouring to get through our church doors, welcoming and warm though they may be. Increasingly nowadays, we have to realise afresh that we are a go faith, and that means trading an understanding of church as a go-to temple for an understanding of church as a travelling tabernacle, like the one that accompanied the Israelites as they wandered 40 years before entering the Promised Land. When I was in seminary, which my grown children say was about the 1860s, my New Testament tutor was the great Scott, New Testament scholar F.F. Bruce. I can still recall his lectures on the Acts of the Apostles. Gentlemen, he said, I won't try and emulate the Scots brogue. Gentlemen, he said, because... Then, almost, we were all men. The Acts of the Apostles. 
It is as if God drops a pebble into the pool of human history. And we watch the ripples. From Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Because, you see, not only Jesus' commission, but also the Holy Spirit of God at Pentecost makes it clear that Christianity is an outward-facing movement, a going-to faith. We've often associated going with mission overseas, usually with the assumption that we who know Christ want others who don't yet know him to know him. Nowadays, we've got to recognize that we live in an increasingly mission context ourselves, here in our own doorsteps. Culturally, religiously, socially, there is need for us to go into our local neighborhoods and communities. It's a mission field. How wonderful it will be when each and every United Methodist Church expands its understanding of mission and to whom it's directed, and how it's undertaken. How marvellous when we are committed to planting new and various forms of church, ever nearer to people, lessening the distance to those who do not yet know Jesus as loving Lord and Saviour. I wish we had the demonstrable faith and commitment of early Methodist missionaries, in Britain, the Missionary Training College was in London and called Richmond College. And many years after the early Methodist mission movement, they uh, created some huge wooden boards on which were written the names of, the na of some of the missionaries going to various places in the world. West Africa was rightly called the White Man's Grave. The board for West Africa has name after name after name of Fred, arrived in West Africa 1832, died 1834. And I'm told that they made their own chests, wooden chests, while at uh, that college, training to be missionaries, in which to put all their belongings on the boat and that around this time, they began to make the chests the size and shape of a coffin because they knew they wouldn't be coming back. I'm told that at their weekly communion service, when the school president read out the names of those he'd heard had died on the mission field, asked volunteers to go in their stead and said, if you feel called and ready now to go, stay behind at the communion rail and you will receive prayer, and then you will go. And the story is that it was 40 years before there was a lack of people volunteering to go, staying at communion and saying, it's time, I'll go. And they went. Go and make disciples, says Jesus. I want you to notice that Jesus didn't say, you go build my church and I will make disciples. In fact, what Jesus says is, I will build my church and you go make disciples. How much we need to keep remembering that. Note too that Jesus told us to make disciples rather than converts. For those 
following Jesus, uh, it's really a lifelong whole of life thing because Christianity is not merely life enhancing like some kind of therapy. It's life transforming. And the church at its, is at its best when it's a community of free samples of the gospel of Jesus Christ, rather than, as we're so often portrayed, salespeople of some kind of corporate Christianity. Go and make disciples, says Jesus, of all nations. Now, there are times when translating the original New Testament Koine Greek to English does us no favors at all, and this is one of them. Nations in the sense of nation-states, arose, particularly in Europe, around about the same time that this passage was beginning to be called the Great Commission. So when we hear nations, that's what most of us think of. That's why we so easily connect mission with going to other countries in the world. But the Greek term is pantateethne, and it doesn't mean nations in the sense of Germany or Guatemala. It means all people of all races, in all places, of all ages, at all stages of life. In short, everyone. Do you know that every generation of Christians, including ours, most definitely ours, has trouble with this scripture because it gives us no help whatsoever in our endless search to try to find people to exclude from the Great Commission. It's a search which ultimately is contrary to the command and commission of Jesus. Baptizing and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, says Jesus in this text. Well, I want to focus briefly on the teaching bit. Because again, I don't think our understanding of the word in recent times does as many favours. Methodism is now about 290 years old, and it's a branch of Christianity born in the long cultural era known as the Enlightenment. When to learn something is to be taught it in a particular way, a way now waning, but which still exists down to today. When I first became a Christian, many, many years ago, I was given a tract which, by text and illustration, sort of laid out for me what I was, a sinner, what I'd done, sin and disappoint God, what I now had to do, give myself to Jesus Christ. And it explained and it interpreted it all for me and effectively asked me to agree. Do you believe this? Do you want to do this? And I said, I do. I was 17. You see, the Enlightenment way of learning is a little bit tick boxy. Faith becomes a kind of mental assent to all kinds of things. Do you believe this doctrine? Yes, I do. Tick. And do you believe that doctrine? Yeah, yes, I do. Tick. I overstate the point to make it, of course, but I don't think that when Jesus said, go and teach, he meant teach like that. You see, Jesus is a rabbi teacher, and the rabbi teacher taught not just by propositions for acceptance or rejection, 
but tried to teach truth and enlightenment through parable and word and deed and experience and accountability and lifestyle. That's how his disciples learned. So when they hear teaching all that I have commanded you, well, it does include some of his teachings. Of course it does. But supremely, it's a command to go and be like him. So that as people encounter us individually and in the church, as Christ's people, we feel that they are drawing near to him, church and disciples who represent accurately and faithfully Jesus himself. There's yet another way in which an English translation of the Great Commission text doesn't really help us. English, you see, finds it hard to fully capture the continuous, continuous present tense of the original Greek text. Stay with me a minute. You see, we read this text and assume it's a kind of linear stage-by-stage -stage thing. You go to somewhere where you stop and seek to make disciples by teaching them and then baptizing them, or the other way around. Whereas the original Greek means, as you are going, as you live out your lives, as my disciples, as my church, disciple, preach, teach, baptize people. You see, and this is the most important rediscovery in recent times about the mission of God. Mission is not ultimately an activity the church does. It's not tacked on from time to time. Mission is the very heart of what the church of Jesus Christ is. It's who we are. And if we're not a, a continuous, present tense mission people of Christ, then in a sense, we stand outside what the Great Commission is asking us to do and be. And I am with you Always, says Jesus, to the very end of the age. Do you remember the name given to Jesus at his birth in Matthew's Gospel? He is to be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And right here at the end of the same Gospel, Jesus, Emmanuel, says to his disciples, and I am with you. But I want to end this sermon with a little heresy. I hope that's okay. We are Methodists after all. It's a joke, by the way. Is this a promise of Jesus which is conditional? We latch very quickly onto the promise that Jesus is with us always, and isn't that marvellous? But again, the original Greek can just as easily mean, if you go... If you make disciples of all people and peoples, and if you baptize them in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and if you teach them all that I have commanded you, then I will be always with you till the end of the age. I, I must finish. But uh, do you remember me talking about the boards on which there were the missionary names from Richmond College? They finished up in the central 
headquarters of the British Methodist Church when I worked there in London. And I used to have people from all over the Methodist world arriving and I used to take, take them into the Richmond room and show them these boards. I was showing one person from a, a faraway place and he paused and said to me, when did they die? Well, I thought it was obvious because it was on the board, but I wanted to be very polite. So I said, well, well, you see the name, look at the last column. Fred Bloggs went to Africa 1826, died 1828. He, he died in 1828. But I thought afterwards, did he? Did she? Or did she die when she stayed behind after communion at Richmond College one Tuesday night and said, I'll go? Or did she die when she first felt the call to be a missionary? Or did she die when she first said yes to Jesus Christ many years earlier? You see, the Great Commission is given by the living one who died and then is taken up down the centuries by other living ones who have to lay down their lives and the life of their churches to continue to serve Christ. And Christ requires in each generation, in each place, in this church, at this time, today, us, you, me, to choose to die to self and live for Christ and die to what we want church to be and live to what Christ commands it to be. To die to inadequate and now too small understandings of the mission of God and live as a truly missional people. There are times, you see, when the art of hearing God's voice is very complicated. I suggest to you that hearing the Great Commission is not one of them. Bless you all. Amen.